50% overall from the field, but he was also 50% from three. He was five to ten. I know you're out there. It's okay. Stand back there. <laughs> no, more than likely, you're going to get that number one seed. And so I want him to be ranked at the number one eight. Welcome into another episode of Let's Rage Cooks presented by the Saxinian family. We're coming off the heels of number three, Houston's 12th win in as many attempts. They are now 12-0 on the season. They defeated Texas State 72-37 in their latest victory as they now get a couple of, a handful of days actually off much needed days rest. But first and foremost, like I mentioned, this is Let's Reach Cruise presented by the Saxonian family. Of course, we'd like to say thank you to Steve Saxonian for being a primary sponsor of this and every men's basketball regular season show this season, of course, we also like to say thank you to our secondary sponsor, which is Star Pizza with three locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go-to stop before or after the game. Be sure to stop by any of the locations every Tuesday during lunchtime for an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet. Star Pizza, as always, has free delivery since 1976. Joining me, as always, Dayon Dunlap. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. It's December 21. We finally got to that winter break end of the year. Could um, not just the Houston Cougars team. I think we could all use a couple of these next few days to recharge. But let's get to it. Obviously, when it comes to this game, specifically, a lot of scares. It started um, early in the game. It actually started with Jamal Shedd. It turned out to not be serious when it seemed like he got injured. He had to grab. Um, it appeared he was grabbing his lower stomach area. Not necessarily sure what was bothering him, but he ended up coming back into the game just a few minutes later and play the rest of the game seemed fine but of course all eyes or the biggest concern is on forward Jawan Roberts who obviously of course for the past few weeks he's been dealing with a problem in his knee there had been reports about swelling in his knee and then really him not being able to practice so in the first half when he went for a rebound and just honestly collapsed like he couldn't put any pressure on the leg and he had struggled. He limped off into the bench and he went when he was on the bench. He put his face into the shoulders of Cordell Jefferson. You could clearly tell he was in pain, but the ESPN broadcast and obviously Roberts did not return to the game. Needless to say, the ESPN broadcast said that it wasn't actually a knee injury, as much more a contusion, a quad injury on his, a quad contusion specifically on his right leg, which obviously any day of the week you'll take a contusion, no matter how painful it might be over a knee injury. And uh, looking at some of the postgame comments coming out of the postgame presser from head coach Calvin Sampson, um, he seems to reiterate that message that it is not a knee injury. So silver lining, good news in that aspect, but obviously that's something that was a bit of a scare in this game in Houston's dominating win over Texas State. Yeah, it definitely was because he's definitely one of the uh, most needed players, probably the, the most experienced player as well, one of the most experienced players on the team as well. But just needs everything he brings on his skill set, every every aspect of it. You need him. It's how important he can do in the last game in regards to playmaking and the rebounding. And so definitely hope he heals and really can stay healthy throughout the rest of the season. So conference coming up is going to be a tough stretch. But his health is definitely the most important. Hopefully he's healthy um, first. 
H-Town Big Dubs says they need to sit out Roberts until the West Virginia game. Curious to get your thoughts. They are going to be just sitting in general, like we mentioned, until December 30th when they have to play Penn. But um, that would be January 6th. So it's, we're currently December 21. That would be about two weeks, about 15 days. Would you do that or, or um, your thoughts? No, I wouldn't. Penn is a really good team. I watched them play Kentucky, and they're a really good shooting team. I think Houston will be able to eventually wear them down with their pressure and their athleticism like they've doing. They've done a lot of teams. But um, if he needs rest, if he say he needs rest, I would rest him. I would say that. But if he says he, he's good to go, then I would trust him. But just air, I don't know. That's tough. That's a tough one because I can definitely understand the logic of arresting him into conference play when you got one more game and you expect that you could be pinned with or without him. So that's a, that's a tough call. People on YouTube commenting in Parker Ainsworth and Big Jack kind of share the same sentiment. Penn beat Nova. They both agree. Both Parker and Big Jack agree that Penn's going to be a tough challenge. And even going back to our previous show, um, after the last post game, I think we're on agreement that Penn is most definitely going to be a tough challenge to close out the non-conference schedule. A non-conference schedule that, um, interestingly enough, was mentioned on the ESPN Plus broadcast um, today. It includes four quad one victories for Houston, even though they haven't certainly been the most competitive games one more non-conference game and then it starts into the grind of that first ever big 12 schedule for houston now when it comes to this game in particular obviously you mentioned the one roberts didn't play after the first half after he had that injury scare but it did give an opportunity to uh different specifically two players to step in specifically in jojo tugler who had you know, some good moments in that second half as uh, something collapses here in my um studio but he had some big moments in that second half um particularly um in, we say it night in and night out but his athleticism component continues to shine he had two big blocks in that second half he had a steal um got kind of fed a little bit throughout the game there was a couple moments where he looked a little um uh, green might not be the right word it just looks like he's going at a different speed like he's going at too quick with speed at times when he gets the ball on the post but skill sets there i think it's just a matter if there's one silver lining maybe if you see more minutes from jojo tugler could potentially slow him down and and get a more comfortable um ahead of big toe play because he's gonna have to be counted on regardless um down the stretch yeah, I think he's going to be have the cannon on, but it, I don't think scoring will be one thing. He he will be a cannon on. I think there's a lot of developing to do, and I, I get what you're saying and what you when you're saying green. I think he just looks uncomfortable. That's the word that I would use. He he doesn't look like a natural post scorer, or looks like when he catches it, he's reacting and just going into his move. And so I I understand what you mean. And I agree with that assessment. That's what I see as well. But I, I think well, what he brings and, who, and what he's able to do with his rebounding, his athleticism, how he can protect the rim and, and just be um, also his pick and roll coverage. He, he can, he's really good in pick and roll coverage. And so I think he's definitely going to be counted on and a good pick and roll diver. You could throw him alley-oops. We saw him um, get a couple tonight. And so as he continues to grow and develop, I think his defense, his athleticism, and just playing within the culture of how Houston plays, um, he can start to really carve out a role within himself. And um, But as far as just low post scoring, that's something he I think he could, will continue to work on. 
uncomfortable that's a perfect word to describe it i think it fits much more fittingly as we uh welcome in everybody that's joining us on youtube and now on x as well then we can have the breakdown of the different viewers whether you're watching in the houston rombo review or on our pod slime jam accounts uh burt reynolds let's go cougars america go cougs big jack 512's comment watching jojo develop is a beautiful thing love that coach is letting him play and get experience in spite of mistakes yeah, that's big for him as a freshman. Even going back before, Jawan Roberts's um, kind of issues with with his knee, and obviously today when it comes to the quad contusion, he's been getting consistent minutes, which is you can see like each day, each game, he's going out there and he's making plays just because of the type of athlete he is. And we'd imagine the more that continues, you know, closer to March, closer to February, that uncomfortableness is going to slowly go away at least that's the that's the perfect plan that's the that's the goal yeah you would think so and i think he's he's trending trending upwards he looks comfortable in the sense of out there when when he's running the floor when in his assignments and in different areas he he looks like he's slowing down and he's kind of finding himself and finding his niche and how he can impact the game and over these last couple games we haven't seen him commit as many fouls because he's not just going 100 miles per hour he's still going at that rate but now he kind of knows where he is on the floor and and he kind of can control himself in regards to how fast and how hard he's playing. And so I think he, he's needed. I mean, just look at the bodies. Look at what they've been playing in regards to bigs. It's, it's not many more options that Coach Sam can pull off the bench that he has pulled off the bench, especially if J1 is is down and can't play or he's limited limited within his um his minutes or within himself, and so he, he's he's needed. It was gonna, it, it's apparent he has to play through those mistakes, and I think that's why you give Coach Sampson credit with scheduling, um, the scheduling this schedule for this year. I mean, you look at those quad one wins, but. Honestly, from watching the games, it hasn't really been much of competition outside of a few games. But that's great because this is a younger team and in some aspects of some of the younger players have been able to get a lot of minutes and being able to to develop. And he's able to kind of teach his team and throughout different situations, work on different different things, different chemistry with the new team. And so I think it was a perfect way to schedule um, schedule how he his non-conference schedule, I should say, particularly. Yeah, Big Jack 512 adds where Houston is light on bigs. JoJo is most definitely needed. And on the topic of bigs, another player that even before Jawan Roberts got um, sidelined with his contusion injury was Javier Francis, who had a great game by himself in this outing or in this game against Texas State. He had 13 points, was 5 for 5 from the field, 3 for 7 from free throw line, which in a perfect world, you get that closer to 60%. But I mean, three for seven, you'll take that at five rebounds. Like I said, he had some key moments as well. Really? Now, especially with the injury that's to Terrence Arsenal, we know he's not going to be coming back this season. Jawan Roberts has been hobbled with um, some type of knee injury. And now, like I said, in a quad injury here today. Um, now he's a really, player. really thin. Yeah. I'm sorry, Kachaku. You say what? No, I just said they're really thin, but they're going oh, yeah. both, both Francis and Tugler are going to have to be relied on because that's not really that's, that's who else is there to fill in now. Jacob McFarland, redshirted, and Cedric Lott hasn't played outside of a handful of minutes late in games. Yeah, and I think J1 is one that would be needed in regards to low post scoring if J1 can't play 
or if he's limited or, or whatever. Just it's just hypothetically if he can't play because he's one of the players who can score on the block, and I think it'll be him and Damian Dunn who you who's not so much of a post player, but he can score in the mid post with backing down guards and being able to score his back to the basket. But um, JVA he he's is probably going to need to step up even more offensively, especially on the post. And he did a good job of I thought he caught it a little bit too far on the block. He's able to still eat up the space with his long steps and get to his hook shot with the, either his right or his left hand and finish around the rim. I think the most of the stuff for him is just catching and being stronger and decisive when he's going to finish. I think oftentimes when he's, I don't want to say tentative, but not going strong, and he might miss a, a point blank layup. But he really looked good. He looked confident, and he, he got into his moves quickly. And so if he can draw fouls, get to the free throw line, like you said, make it at least a 50%, 60% clip, um, that, that's good. We're seeing a lot of comments about Cedric Lott. I think um, we can all agree. Offensively, he's just very raw at this point. Um, but mm, – H-Town Big Dobbs said he could see at least five minutes a game from Lott. I'm, I'm sure he's assuming if Jawan Roberts is injured and can't necessarily go. Um, but I think they, the broadcast team said that he's just really learning the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, but one thing that you can see with with his size and his athleticism is he can get up and block shots and he can play the pick and roll high. Yeah, Houston okay. really wants to play defense, and so if they need a body, um, he's he seems more than capable of giving them maybe five or ten or whatever limited minutes in, in, a, in a limited role if needed. I think he he can provide that. Yeah, he showed off his athleticism late in the stretch, even in this game. Um, he got up there chasing the ball towards the tail end of this game real quickly. I'd like to thank each and every single person that has taken the time out of their Thursday evening here, December 21st. It's officially winter, by the way, here in the Northern Hemisphere here in, in, in the U.S., wherever you are, certainly in Houston. But we'd like to thank each and every single one of you guys, Big Jack, H-Town, Demerick, everyone else that has commented. Feel free to add your comments on the uh, Houston Cougars' 72-37 victory over Texas State. Only one non-conference game remaining before they start their inaugural Big 12 conference schedule January 6th against West Virginia. Um, we like to remind everybody that this is Let's Rage Cougs, the unofficial Houston post-game show for football and men's basketball, the uh, unofficial and original post-game show for football and men's basketball presented by the Saxonian family. Of course, big thank you to Steve Saxonian for being the primary sponsor, not only for this episode, but for every men's basketball post-game show for the regular season in 2023-24. And of course, our secondary sponsor for today's episode as well, Star Pizza with three locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go-to stop before or after the game. Be sure to stop by any of their locations every Tuesday during lunchtime for an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet. Star Pizza, as always, has free delivery since 1976. On the topic, yeah, you know, this game brought back some flashbacks of the 2021-22 season. Uh, at least for me, I'm sure there were some similarities in this game when at some point it seemed like bodies were just going down all every other possession for both sides, but specifically for Houston how thin. Um, like I mentioned, it started with Jamal Shedd kind of getting banged up, but we got to see a lot of minutes from two players in particular, and Malik Wilson and Ramon Walker. And, uh, you know, 
they had some good moments. I think they had some um, frustrating moments that you could tell from Kelvin Sampson and three actions on the bench, not only for those two in particular, but even Damian Dunn, um, you know, still trying to find a niche. The one thing that you can see, uh, well, first observation, I'll see Ramon Walker shot just looks a hundred times better than it did a season ago, just in terms of a release standpoint. Um, and he's still doing the hustle plays. He's still getting, getting rebounds today. He finished, um, today he finished with six rebounds. Malik Wilson had seven by himself. So they went in there they had solid minutes. Um, they were productive in the minutes. Obviously they weren't perfect, but that's what you want to see from those two players, especially really, really in this game where it's kind of their first outing where they have to kind of fill in without Terrence Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, I think starting with Wilson, I agree with, um, Demerick's, um, comment where he said Wilson looked good and, um, Look like if he get more minutes, he can especially in the open floor. I think with, with he um, and Damian Dunn, Damian Dunn played more minutes tonight. But sticking with Wilson, he he looked comfortable out there, and, and he really can. I think can excel in transition with his athleticism. He just needs to make better decisions. That way, Coach Sampson will allow him to stay on the floor. I think sometimes his shot selection could be in question, or just doing different things that Coach Sampson will be looking for. But I think in, in some games, if um, Jamal is in foul trouble or whatever, however the game may go, Wilson is a player I think he can step up, and he's a player that can give Jamal a rest and allow him to be fresh down the stretch um, as well. But Damian, he just seems out of rhythm offensively. Defensively, he's still in tune with Houston and they're able to play. But the first couple games, he looked so good and, and, and such a good rhythm because he was making shots. But he's just making this just play, boneheaded play, stepping out of bounds, and just other little plays. So it's like not even not catching the ball, not catching the ball, and just little plays like that. To where it's like offensively, he 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 isn't he's in the funk, and so, but he's he's such a good offensive player. Houston is going to need him, especially because he's a good ISO player. That Houston, and uh, when the game slows down, the half court sets, they have to execute. He's a player that they can go to, and in the low post is in the mid post. With his back to the basket, I should say, as well. But um, I think he, Ramon Walker, um, they referenced, the media team referenced that Coach Sam said that he's a player that will be counted on and playing even more minutes. And we know what he could produce rebounds and defense and and stuff like that. But I think his ability to attack closeouts, get to the rim, get to the free throw done, and maybe even knock some shots is something that we keep an eye on. But I, I like this team, and I, I like the way the schedule um, was scheduled just to allow some of the young players and just allow the team to build chemistry. Yeah, definitely. And when we're talking about, um, well, for, for backtrack a little bit and comment about Malik Wilson, the decision making, I think, uh, example, even the last possession in this game, the last offensive possession in this game for Houston. He took a shot when Houston didn't need to. And if you look at the the bench, it kind of looked like they were a little um, the coaching staff was kind of like, oh, why do you take that shot? Like they were a little confused with the shot selection. So decision making most definitely it's something that uh, at times I think that that's just some, some of the head scratch, not even head scratches, but just the frustrating elements when it comes to us in the past. But I think he definitely can be a great asset. And on, quite frankly, he's going to be counted on. He's going to have to be a better decision maker because, again, 
not to sound like a broken record, but uh, grind of the Big 12 schedule, Jamal Shedd is going to need minutes to rest. Like, he is not going to be able to play 32, 35-plus minutes on a consistent basis like he did a season ago in, in the American Athletic Conference schedule because it's just going to wear him down, and it's really uh, going to hurt not only Shed but the team overall if Wilson or anyone else for that matter is able to have those consistent minutes. And I think we all agree, we both agree that Wilson is kind of has to be that guy to be in there and, and play well when Jamal Shed's getting minutes of rest. Most definitely. I think if he can consistently make good decisions and get the trust of Coach Sampson in more minutes, he can play well because he can. he's a really good rebounder and he can get the rebound and really push the break. And with his athleticism and the way the re, he read, pick, and roll, he's a mid-range scorer as well for not only with his jump shot, but with the, his floater game, he can finish. And athletically, he's freakishly athletic, so he can finish. I just I agree. Just as long as he can continue to consistently make good decisions and play smarter, and in those times, and like you said, all the things you mentioned were giving Jamal a rest, and I think um, that's it. It's needed, and he—he's a player. I, I, he has it. I can see it, but it just gotta. Uh, it's still early in the season. He—he's looking, continuing to understand what Coach Sampson is looking for, and play within the system. What Coach Sampson is looking for. On that topic, on that topic, we'll put a pin on it, and we'll welcome our third host for this episode of Let's Rage Cougs, and that is Mr. Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review, coming to us live from the Fertitta Center. Uh, Chris, first and foremost, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We are good. We're golden. Excellent. Ready for the break. <laughs> Indeed. And... Uh... One thing Coach Sampson said at the toward the end of that lengthy presser, this is one of the first times, one of the rare moments that he'll have days off, the team will have days off. There's not an, a, a holiday tournament, so there won't be any, any practices on Christmas or Christmas, the day after Christmas. So it's beneficial. He, was, he joked that he does not want to see the players for the next three or four days. If they have presents for him, leave them in the mailbox. <laughs> Or let him know, and he'll open, the, open up the trunk on his truck. But he does not want to see them, and they don't want to see him. <laughs> so it's a good mood. Uh, some of the guys are, are who don't live in town are driving back either tonight or tomorrow. Hopefully they'll all be, have safe journeys and have uh, enjoyable holidays and Christmas or Kwan's, whatever they celebrate. But defense was really stellar. Offense wasn't. Shot making wasn't. Offense ran pretty well. They had a lot of good looks. Ball didn't go in, but you force 27 turnovers, you give yourself a chance to win, and they won with 35. Yeah, Chris, that's something we haven't been able to touch on yet. Um, the defense, 16 turnovers. Houston's defense forced 16 turnovers in the first half against Texas State. Like you mentioned, Chris, they forced the Bobcats into 27 total turnovers for this game. They held Texas State to just 18 points at halftime and it was overshadowed by Houston only having 29 points themselves and shooting 37% from the field but that, phenomenal uh Phenomenal and something that Calvin Sampson praised in his post-game press conference. He even said it in the halftime speech where you could tell he was agitated with the way the game had gone. But he just did, they did a really good job, Houston did, at being able to be in position and, and be where they're supposed to and really make things difficult and just 
suffocate Texas State over the course of the entire game, even regardless of who was in the game. Even in the late-minute stretches, Texas State couldn't get an easy basket. Bobcats came into the game averaging 13 turnovers. 13. He had 16 in the first half. So, <laughs> Cook's defense will carry them a lot this season. The offense will come and go. Damian Dunn, four turnovers, missing free throws. He's, he's still fighting himself. I'm not worried. Coach Sampson isn't worried. He's just got to get over himself, and he'll be okay. Yeah, I agree. And that kind of goes into how, um, before you joined, I was talking about he just in a funk offensively. And I think that plays into the free throw line and his his inconsistency at the line and, and some of the mistakes that he's making. It just seems to be in the funk. Maybe this reset going back home, connecting with the family. Hopefully he's able to do that as well can, can kind of help him reset because he got those, such a good start those first couple of games. And then over his last couple of months, he's kind of been into a funk. But, um, I mean, I, I agree. I think he, he's there. It just whatever it is, he, I'm sure at the rest of this, he won't be in like this the rest of the year. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, Javier Francis, we saw some of his offensive flashes, his skill set. He looked like I, I saw a comment earlier from one of the viewers, I think it was Parker, referencing Cedric a lot. Cedric hasn't played the basketball very long. Javier hasn't played it much longer than Cedric, you know, honestly. So it's going to take Javier time to get into it. He's going to get more looks. Coach mentioned that uh, – he called some plays for Javier, designed a play specifically today and shoot around for him to go to his right, make a quick first step move to get to the basket. He scored on that play. So just another option for the team. The team is going to have to go to the low post to get some looks, and uh, Javier, can, he can provide that. Especially if J1 can't play. And, and Coach did confirm what Andy, I think you mentioned from the broadcasters, that it wasn't Juan's knee. It was his thigh. I think he got banged in the thigh or something. That's why he didn't play in the second half. He wasn't needed in the second half. But the knee is still an issue, but the, his knee was not the reason why he did not play the rest of the game after he checked out. Which is music to Houston's ears because obviously knee problems, um, like we had talked about in the previous such rich coups, sledding specifically, um, leading up to that Texas A&M Texas game that wasn't allowing him to practice. Obviously, that's the bigger concern. So if it's just a contusion, it's just a, a bruise. That's something that Houston will take nine, I mean, 10 times out of 10 over a knee injury um, and definitely cooled off a lot of concerns because I'm sure it was different from there in, in the arena. But um, from his initial reaction, kind of limping off to the bench and then putting his head next to, to Cordell Jefferson, it looked like he was in, in big time pain. And obviously from the reports about the knee injury, you were assuming, oh, see if, if he had re-injured his knee. And obviously, um, you hate to think about it that way, but you start thinking about potentially even uh, longer, more serious injuries. Oh, when, no question. When I saw him on the sitting on the floor, I thought it was his knee. And I think I posted that on, you know, Musk and Threads and stuff that it was his knee. And then to see him hop, hobble to the bench and, you know, Drainer Chan, Houston, the, the shaman talked to him. And as you said, Andy, he kind of leaned, you know, leaned over like he was in pain. And then he got up a few minutes later and walked toward the back, probably get some treatment. He didn't seem to be limping too much. 
But uh, like I said, there wasn't any need for him to play in the second half of this ball game. The time off should do him some good. They play next game on the 30th against Penn, and then they don't play again until the 6th to open up Big 12 play. So he may play, you know, so then Coach kind of, the way he wrote it, it was interesting. He said the injury is not bad enough where he, J1 does not, does not need to, you know, sit out games, but it's not good enough to, that he can be 100%, basically. In reference to the knee. The knee, yes. So it, it, you know, there is some swelling there, but it's not something that he that he can't play through. But it's not something that he'll be hundred percent, basically. For the remainder of the season, or for the foreseeable future, we don't know. I mean, he, it's been bothering him for for as coach said tonight about three weeks, and you know, anytime you got to drain a knee more than once, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's not much you can do to it if it's not cartilage, you know, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a trainer or anything like that, but I trust John Houston. You know, John would not allow Juan to play in a game if he thought it would make the injury worse. So that's what I'm basing on. Well, um, that's most definitely going to be something to keep an eye on as the season um, progresses. It very well could be a thing where it's just a matter of if if it's one of those injuries where you can't necessarily make it worse, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be extremely painful and an inconvenience over the course of of the the rest of the season until they get into the off season when um, you know maybe they can have a, a specific procedure that cleans up. You know, because we don't know what it is. Yeah, you know, we just know it's knee swelling. We don't know what the cause of. They have not told us that, and they probably won't tell us that. Mm-hmm. But no. it's just <laughs> a knee issue that swells. I'm not sure how often it swells. You know, Coach Sampson told us he volunteered the info in, in a a Zoom call that you know Juan has had to have the knee has, the knee has been drained a few times. So that that is an issue, but we don't know how often that the knee is drained. Is it once a month now? Has it gotten worse? Don't know. We don't know that. But tonight's injury was more. I think someone kneed him in the thigh, and that's why using a lot of pain and did not finish the uh, first half. Well, let's put a pin on that, and uh, let's kind of switch over to a guard play, a player that we haven't touched on. And honestly, uh, this might be his more impressive performance. Uh, Hard to say impressive, but most definitely it's interesting because he was able to produce in a very different way than he has been the last couple of outings. And that's Emmanuel Sharp, who had 17 points, led Houston in scoring again, but he didn't have a good shooting night. Only shot two for 10 from the field, was two for nine on his three-pointers, but he was still very aggressive, was able to draw, um, go to the free throw line very effectively, and he hit all his free throws for Houston team that, um, you know, depending on who goes to the free throw line, obviously a big concern is free throw shooting. I was in the case for Emmanuel Sharp, 11 for 11 from the free throw line. He was just uh, sensational. Like I said, he was able to finish as a leading scorer for Houston, and, and specifically what makes it more impressive, again, showcasing his versatility. The ESPN Plus broadcast mentioned if there's an improved player, most improved player Right now, it 
has to be Emmanuel Sharp. And I agree 100% with what both Reed Geddes and Matt Thomas said. Head and shoulders, Emmanuel Sharp. You can tell he's um, really unlocked a whole new facet to his game and his confidence is at an all-time high that wasn't, I mean, an all-time high compared to his time in Houston a season ago. He's done what Deion has mentioned during this show, previous shows. He hasn't settled for his perimeter game. He's added to his game and attacked the basket more, drawing fouls and getting to the foul line. That's a part of overall game you want to see from your players as they develop throughout their college career. Yeah, and I I think the game has slowed down um, for him a lot because in high school he was a prolific scorer. And primarily last year his role was pretty much to space the floor as a shooter. And I think now, um, like you said, Chris, like I mentioned in previous shows, he did a better job of attacking closeout. And and now just watching him, I'm looking at him in the mode of – a score. I think he's a player that can be a score and can, can get it off the bounce and as well just knock down um, open shots, catch and shoot threes. And so he just he, he's smart with his transition, attacking the player's body, getting getting to the free throw line. That's little thing that scores know how to do and, and getting to the free throw line is an art. And he can do that. It's also he can attack closeouts like I just mentioned and get inside, draw contact, or just using his his shooting ability for a threat as pump fakes and just different things that he's adding to his game. And I can see like, okay, this is probably why Coach Samson recruited him offensively because of now we're just seeing it more. It's just what I'm coming to the realization. We're seeing it more because of his role has expanded as set up more just dribble. Because you have to look last year, he didn't really need to dribble. It was Marcus or it, it was Jamal or it was, it was Trayvon, and it was primarily setting him up. And so now it's a different team, and he can really put it on the floor and show more of his offensive game. And, you know, and tonight it was good because, I mean, almost everybody struggled to shoot. Jay was the only one who – Jay and Jamal were the ones who shot above 50%, 50% or better, you know, who took more than five shots. LJ didn't make shots and missed a free throw, which is rare for him. But it's good to see the guy scoring in different ways. And they went down low to Jay in the post. For some reason, Texas State doubled off of him. And Francis kicked it back out to Emmanuel for an open three. He missed it. He had a lot of good A lot of the shots the Cougs missed tonight were good looks. They just missed. That happens, but you force a team into 27 turnovers. They didn't shoot very well. You win by 35. <laughs> so that's like, a good thing. Like you said, Chris, that defense is going to carry them really the rest of this season and keep them in games all the way yeah. down to the NCAA tournament when, when they get there. Their defense is the, is the trademark of the culture and, and rebounding is the is the cherry or the seasoning or whatever, however the whatever the ingredient, whatever you're making, <laughs> it, it, it's that extra ingredient on top that go with it. But it's first is defense. And and coach was asked about the post game because state did win the battle of the board by two tonight, but coach Sampson was like tonight that's irrelevant because they had 27 turnovers, so. I'm not worried about the rebounding battle tonight because we forced him into 27 turnovers. He was just, he was beaming about that. You know how, how hard it is to do that and hold team 37 points? He was very, very happy with the defense of his team tonight. 
Yeah, it's crazy to think about. They only had 10 more points than they did turnovers. <laughs> it's absurd. Yep. Um, real quick, I'm going to go back to Emmanuel Sharp. I think one of the other, um, not even underrated aspects, but some that's it's just a matter of fact, is his body. Like He did a good job in the offseason of adding much more muscle to him, which I think is a big factor into his ability to not only be able to be more comfortable putting his ball on, on the ground and making plays off the dribble, but having the body to be able to take it in and draw fouls, contacts, be physical, and is also helping him on the defensive side. He's more been more of a disruptor in the passing lanes. And just as a uh, as lateral quickness, he's done a good job. Like, people can't move him. He yep. doesn't matter what kind of position um, they're playing against him. He's not a body that you can easily move, and it's just made him overall that much of a stronger player. That's a good point, Andy. You know, Manuel's added strength, he's seeking contact. When he gets the ball in transition, he is seeking contact at the rim. You know, either you, you're you going to foul me, I'm going to score and get an and one, or you're going to foul me, I'm going to get two free throws. Your choice, one or the other. So that's good to see. And a salute to the strength and conditioning program that, that the Cougs have. Yeah, okay. Alan Bishop doing a great job. You see the pictures that he posts, the video, all the stuff that he posts online. You see why he's one of the best of the best. But that, that's a great point, Andy. And he has. He, and he looks the part. He looks different. And just coming in, they, what they said, he was more of a, a natural, thick, chunky kid. Just turning that yep. into muscle and, and mm-hmm. into and, and, and slim and trim like a bicycle rim. He, he looking nice, man, for sure. And, you know, said a lot. I, he's getting better. Coach Sampson said that. I just don't see, you know, Coach playing said any more than garbage minutes this season. He still believes in him. You know, it may be in, in an, an emergency case because of body type or foul situation, something like that. But other than that, I just don't see him getting minutes consistently this season. But his footwork is really nice. He got some quick feet for a big man that size. And he showed us some of his flashes defensively. Just an athlete. He was an overall athlete. He has good uh he has good instincts in terms of being able to go pursue the ball. So I think the point that we brought up earlier in the show, it's just a matter of him being able to have more time of actually being able to learn the sport, specifically learn the system. Because out of all the things, not only is he learning the sport, but he's learning how to play uh, under Kelvin Sampson, which is just an extra layer of difficulty that he has to adjust to. And he's learning English and how to talk on defense. And as yeah, a big man, you, you have to communicate on defense to your guards, where the screens the are coming, screens, and all those things. Yeah. So he's got to, he's still learning that as well. You made a good point about learning Kelvin Sampson and what he's like, too. <laughs> so that's that's difficult for anybody, you know, American-born players, but international got to be an extra layer to it. Yeah. Those are all the little things that you don't even think about when you just see them call and play on the court. Chris, question for you. Um, what were some of the other takeaways that you had from the post-game press conference availability following Houston's big win over Texas State? Jay and Malik are not the most talkative people for post-game press conferences. <laughs> you know, we ask them a couple of questions, three-word answer, and, you know, pretty much it. Try to get Malik. And Coach was very – he was in a talkative mood tonight. I asked Malik if he enjoyed playing defense, if he enjoyed rebounding more than scoring. He be, his answer, initial answer was, yes, sir. And the coach said, Malik, 
he just set you up with that question, man. He set you up. You like a worm in a pan, man. He, 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 he spoke for like another minute and said, come on, Malik, you know, you, you like scoring more than defense. <laughs> and Malik tried to go back to us and said, no, no, no. My rebounding, I like rebounding. Gets my game going. <laughs> but Coach was just all <laughs> over the place tonight, man. He's looking forward to holiday, spend time with his grandkids. Uh-huh. That's, for sure. like, <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. In a jolly mood, ready to go yes. and relax and kick back and relax with the family and then kind of gear up for the for the end of the, the, the rest of the season. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. You know, and, and he likes this team. We've we've said it yeah. most of this season before the season started, you know, that he likes this team. Clearly the injury to Terrence, Arsenal, Terrence being out for the season, Ramon. Having to really adjust his game and mindset, being at the, at the four, but you saw some flashes of Ramon as Ramon in his freshman year, crashing the boys, crashing his body all around. Man, there were so many guys' bodies on the floor tonight. I was worried about people getting hurt. Yeah, you know, Ramon tossed around. Jamal banged his head on someone's shoulder after making a layup. Jay crashed into the floor a few times. Damian Dunn crashed the floor. Manuel Sharp crashed to the floor. I'm. I, I was really like. Fellas, this day before, you know, day before Christmas. <laughs> let's get this game. Run the clock, man. Run the clock. Let's, let's get everybody out there, man. That's what I was hoping for, you know. Um, yeah, especially once they, they – second half, they built that 20-plus, 25-point-plus, 30-plus point lead. Most definitely they should have – if it would have been possible, had some home cooking and maybe let those extra seconds tick after each and every call. But obviously, of course, different set of rules when it comes to uh, college basketball. But Adan, you mentioned it kind of starting to gear up for the final stretch. One more non-conference game left, December 30th, against Penn – um, and it is going to be a tough challenge to close out the non-conference. Obviously, Penn, a bit of an underrated, scrappy program that's giving fits to some of the top teams across the country. What do you guys think about that matchup? And what are you guys going to be looking forward to seeing in that matchup? I'm looking forward to some days off for the team because Coach Sampson mentioned it. Players kind of touched on it as well. This was, you know, the last game before Christmas last game before a break, you know, you just finished finals. Some teams lose because, you know, players are focused on spending time with their family. You know, they're not locked in defensively. They're not locked in to the game plan. And they're looking for, more forward to holiday time. So this game might have been the reason why the, the shots didn't fall at a higher clip in that first half. But for the health of the team, you know, I spoke to one of the members of the staff before the game and they person was like we're looking forward to the break man because we need it. it's coming at the right time for us this year yeah um i'm sure they're looking forward to the break in regards to Penn, um i think it's going to be a good matchup because Penn is a a good team they run a good motion offense and they, they're good at back cutting and when houston is such aggressive on the defensive and especially denying the basketball it's a lot of opportunities for teams to spark particularly pin to be able to back cut and make extra passes to get open shots and so if they we make the extra pass because the way houston rotates you can get some good looks and they're a really good three-point shooting team and so one of coach samson switches up his defense just a little bit to stay more at home to protect the perimeter and force pin to drive but I think um, second half, Houston ended up wearing them down with, their, with the consistent pressure and consistent high energy throughout the game, and they'll be able to turn them over. But I think it'll be a competitive game as towards the first half, be a close game. 
And if they indeed do what you said, they unwear them down and come out victorious, I would put them at 13-0 at non-conference, which would still be an impressive, it would be an impressive feat in it of itself. Um, Chris, we touched on this before you hopped on, but um, we're kind of surprising, I think, and it was even touched on during today's broadcast, four quad one wins, which is behind only Purdue, uh, who has five heading into this game. So uh, we obviously covered each and every single game this season. They're currently sitting at 12-0, and 0, but four and 0 quad one wins. Interesting note uh, concerning the schedule that, especially from outside, maybe I necessarily doesn't seem like the most toughest when it comes to strength schedule, but the numbers say otherwise. What say you? What are your thoughts on that stat? You know, it, it's it's uh, extremes. Think four quad one wins and then eight quad four wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but other top teams kind of have that same ratio. A lot of a few of the teams ranked in the top five, top ten net have either quad one wins or quad four wins. It's part of how the schedule is made out. But the fact the Cougs have four quad one wins just gives Coach Samson more ammo to say to all of us, I put together the schedule. See, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so. And it goes to his pitch in regards because each press conference, he's politicking with yeah. the seating. And so that goes into his, his politic campaign of why they should be a top seed. And, and But just watching the games – I, I think that stat is overrated. I don't know how. I don't. Well, I do know how they how they uh, conjure up those me- measurements and or, but that's that's overrated for sure. Yeah, I, I'd I'd like to see them, you know, being being the uh, what is it, the Jumpman Invitational, and play it. Which they will be next you know, season. Yeah, more of the top tier teams from a selfish standpoint, but that's going to be a moot point once Big Twelve play starts. So hey, right. Where almost literally every game will be a quad two, quad one game. Um, they are going to be in the Jumpman Invitational next season, right, Chris? Has it been confirmed? That's all. I mean, but, you know, I mean, just more top tier matchups. You know, I see Purdue playing Arizona and Indianapolis. And, Purdue you know, had, they've played a lot of you know, games before. Yeah. So I, you know, command them. <laughs> Those top tier matchups like Duke and Baylor earlier this week. Yeah, things like that. Uh, yeah, yeah that's what I like to see. Yep. Yeah. Most definitely. I think we all, from from an outsider's perspective, most would really enjoy those type of matchups. But, hey, they're coming. They're coming literally within two weeks once Big 12 Conference Tournament, or not Tom, for Big 12 Conference play begins, not to get too far ahead of myself. But um, we as we start to unwind things real quickly, I'd like to thank each and every single person that's taking the time to comment on today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs, Parker, Michael Jones, Big Jack, Russell, H-Town Big Dobbs um, and Burt Reynolds, I want to Demerick as well. I want to exclude anyone. Um, we thank you guys. We appreciate you for you guys taking your time on this Thursday evening um, to be able to talk about the Houston Cougars' 72 to 37 victory over Texas State. This is Lettridge Cougs presented by the Saxonian family. Of course, also thank you to Steve Saxonian for being not only the primary sponsor of today's episode of Lettridge Cougs, but each and every single men's basketball regular season post game show. 
show and of course two star pizza as well for being a sponsor of today's episode with three locations across the houston area star pizza is your go-to stop before or after the game be sure to stop by any of those three's locations every tuesday during lunchtime for an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet star pizza as always has free delivery since 1976 we are on the verge of the holiday season obviously it's going to be this weekend the big holiday so chris day on i'll toss it over to you guys any final takeaways that you have either of this game of the 12 not conference games up to this point and um just any final thoughts i'm glancing at the cougs net breaks schedule breakdown and it looks like there are three big 12 matchups that are quad three and then everything else is either majority of quad one and then a handful of quad two Life in the Big 12, looking forward to it, looking forward to the competition. Thank everybody for, I was uh, recognized at the game tonight, gave us props. They watched the show and said, keep up the good work. So that's always enjoyable to be recognized and, and commended for what we do here on Let's Rage Coog. So we thank everyone, appreciate the kind words and the support. Tell all your friends about Let's Rage Cougs. We're always looking for sponsors. We got, you know, 2024 is almost here. We got plans, bigger plans. We want to grow and expand the platform and reach more folks in the year coming up. But as always, to Dayon and Andy, thank you for letting me join the show, be part of this, and look forward to uh, more games the rest of the season. Real quickly, down before you go, is West Virginia one of those quad three games in the Big 12? Uh, uh, no, <clears throat> really surprisingly, really? yeah. Let me see. Oh, yeah, they are the one, they are the, they're quad uh, four. That's it, yeah. They're not quad three, they're really? quad four. Yeah, interesting. 202, hmm. so 10 quad one, four quad two, three quad three, and West Virginia quad four. Yeah, I can't wait for the life in the Big 12, too. I think each game is going to be competitive, even West Virginia. I haven't seen, yeah, I've seen them play one game, but I think they're all to be good games. I can't wait for each game. Got my ticket already for um, in Kansas at the Allen Field House. I'll be in attendance. Excellent. Can't, can't wait for that. Um, but happy holidays to everyone. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Like um, Chris and Andy just said, we appreciate all the consistent support. And it's a pleasure doing a show with, with you guys every time. Always, baby, go Cougs.